And now, more sports and torts with David Spada and Elliot Heron. And we're back with part two of our interview with 2014 Pro Football Hall of Fame punter, the first pure punter to go into Canton, Ray Guy. You, you had very few kicks blocked in your career. Is that a, a credit to the center, to you, to other it's, teams not come coming after credit, you, or what? I credited that. I credited that all to the center and the line up front uh, because you got to have protection up there. you got to have guys that are dedicated and really want to to, to block the opposing team because you know they're going to try to block it. Uh, the centers uh, are 50% of a, a punt or a kick anyway. I was fortunate enough basically all the way through my career from high school, college, and into the pros having great centers. I I could probably count on one hand all the bad snaps I've had, but you're going to have bad snaps because, you know, people are going to make mistakes, but you don't want them to reoccur a lot. And I never had it, I never had to worry about where the ball is going to go on the ground or it's going to go to my right or it's going to my left or it's going to go here or whatever. When, you know, we practice during the week, uh, the centers always, you know, want to know where do you want it. And I tell them where I want the ball and, and very rare that it would be offline. So that makes my job a lot easier where I don't have to worry about it. But yet too, what I had to worry about was, uh, trying to generate too much power into the ball, which in turn makes the, the steps that I take, uh, a little bit longer than I should. So, but with that kind of, you know, security up there in front and knowing that the ball is going to be there where I want it, that made, I didn't have to really rush it. I didn't really have to overpower it. I just did my thing, but I kept it under two seconds and that's, that's fast enough from the time it's snapped to, to leave my foot. I mean, anybody can, uh, you know, be, go without getting one block, but you're going to have that to happen sometimes. Uh, they're going to be maybe a missed block or a missed assignment or something up front. But there again, I, I, I don't hold any grudges against that, and I know it's going to happen And because there again, we're only human, and sometimes you're going to make mistakes. And uh, But I, I made a lot of mistakes and stuff like that, but I took little mistakes and kind of analyzed what I had performed wrong or what I did wrong and then, I correct it, and I wouldn't do it again, which made, in turn made me made me better. You played in three Super Bowls. Was there one that stood out as your favorite? No, not really, not really. All all games that we played, uh, where it was a regular season game, preseason, regular season, playoff, and all that was basically an important game. Yeah, the Super Bowl is the major one. Uh, that's why they call it Super. Uh, because uh, it's like state championships in high school. It's like winning the, you know, the uh, BCS Bowl, you know, in college and all that. That's the goal you set at the beginning of the season, and that's what you try to reach. And once you get to that 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 pinnacle and that level uh, to the Super Bowl, well, you don't really need to treat it any more uh, important. Uh, because it, technically it is a very important game, but technically there's no other game until the next following season. So why really change your whole complexity of what you accomplished during the year to get to that one level and then you change everything? Hey, you know, go home with the girl you took to the dance <laughs> because you've been dancing pretty good all year long. So why, why change partners then? So 
We just treat it as another day at the office. That's the way we treat it. We didn't change anything. Now, you, you had a career punting average of 42.4 yards. Do you ever say to yourself, you know, if I played for the Broncos in Denver, I probably could have averaged about 50-plus? Well, I mean, yeah, you could. Uh, technically, you could uh, because of the, you know, the thin air. Uh, but, you know, we, we played, we played Denver every year, you know, in Denver, and it seems, uh, that, uh, in general and overall, just looking back and kind of reminiscing about the years and stuff is that I didn't really, you know, have that great an average in, in Denver. But then again, what you gotta look at too, you gotta look at the team you're on, uh, how consistent is the offense. You know, moving the ball. You know, when when we have it. Uh, so technically, majority of my punts were not what you what you would call having to go a long ways with it. Uh, but then that is years. You know, transgress on to you know my end of my career is that I had to change something. And what I had to change is is because one, the return guys were getting faster. They were getting better. The return scheme were getting better, so I had to come up with another scheme myself. You might want to say is now why do I want to kick this down the middle of the field all the time? And, for, and as far as I I can, that's not that's only going to hurt me and hurt the team in general. So what I changed was from not going down the middle of the field no more. I I changed to going to directional, where this it out of bounds. Uh, inside the 20 or putting it out of bounds, you know, before the 20, depending on where I was, or hanging the ball between the uh, numbers and the sidelines to eliminate a lot of return area for the return guy and and all this. So it got to be a strategy with me, and it got to be very important to my team because they knew when I told them I was going somewhere with it, I was going to punt it here or punt it there, they didn't have to worry about chasing the ball all over the field once they got down there. They knew that ball was going to be in that position or in that area. So it made their their job a lot easier. So, you know, when you got to change, you got to change. I mean, that's just the way it is. And, and you know, you learn to adapt to, to different years and, and the changing in football in general. How hard was it to have to wait that long to get in the Hall of Fame? It was very hard. I meant, uh, you know, all these years. And there, there, there are guys out there that's, you know, been in that position longer than I have and, uh, which they, uh, are entitled. They pretty much need to be into the Hall of Fame, but, uh, it's tough, but you learn after a couple times or three times or whatever, you, you learn to kind of, I wouldn't call it adapt to, you know, the way it's going and, you know, things of this nature. You learn to accept it. Uh, and the old phrase is, well, we'll just wait the next year and see what happens. And, uh, of course, then the more it comes and, and the more it does not happen, it gets a little more frustrated. But you kind of, you kind of look at it and, well, it's not the end of the world. Uh, you know, because I did not get it, uh, I would like for it to happen the first time around, which everybody would, but sometimes those things did not happen. But, you know, that old phrase, you know, good things are worth waiting for. It will sooner or later come, come to you, you know, and just, you know, you just hopefully that you're still around when it does happen. Uh, right. 
So I mean, that's like you know that on in the hotel room in New York that Saturday. You know we, of course, all of them had to be in their room by before five o'clock, and then you know you sit there and five thirty comes, and that's when the you know they supposed to at time it was supposed to start. That's when they were called, and you sitting there and it goes five thirty five and it gets five forty, and getting close to five forty five, and you think, well. Maybe not this year, but uh, you know it did. At five forty-two, it happened, wow. and I almost not answered the phone. <laughs> <laughs> and the reason I'm saying this, uh, you know, when I got the call back in what was it, last September, maybe from the uh, Veterans Committee, you know, for the Hall of Fame, <laughs> and we was talking to, and and they were saying, well, now look, it says uh, now. I will be calling you. Now, this was Joe Boynton, you know his name. But anyway, yes. yeah. So I put his number in my cell phone, which is a three three zero number, is the area code for Canton. So I get up there, and we're sitting there in the room, and you know I had already just kind of calmed down. I took a deep breath. I said, well, you know maybe it's not going to you know happen this year. And I hadn't really got it out of my thought when the phone rang. Well, I'm sitting there and I look down at the phone, and the area code was seven one four, which is California. Now I'm thinking, well, that's probably a reporter or something, you know. Then I got to think, I just reached down and picked it up, and that was about the third ring, and I picked it up, and uh, Dave Baker, Baker, who is now the uh, new you know, president of the Hall of Fame, it was him. He said, Ray? I said, yeah. He said, he introduced himself. He said, I'm Dave Baker from the, I'm the president of the uh, Hall of Fame. He says, I personally wanted to make this call to you and let you know that you are now a member of the class of 2014. I said, Dave, you kidding me, aren't you? I asked him three times before I I kind of hit me, <laughs> you know. So you know, you wait all these years, and you that phone call comes in, and you don't know where to really accept it or not. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But uh, my knees got kind of legs got kind of weak, and I just kind of sat back in the chair and tried to let it soak in, and and I, it it really took about a week, about a week or a week and a half before it really soaked in. It was after I got back here. So, uh, but now I'm at, it's all reality and, and I'm in there and, you know, and I'm, I'm, this is, uh, I, it's hard to explain how I feel, you know, but to be now placed beside all the other legends throughout the years that are now have been in the Hall of Fame and, you know, just knowing that, uh, that's the, Final game, that's the, you know, there's no more records to set, uh, there's no more games to win or championships or whatever, uh, and somewhere we can sit for all the ages to see. And, uh, I am proud to be that. But, you know, when I got back here, Southern Miss, you know, I, I went and spoke to what we call a meet and greet to some of the fans and all that. And then at the basketball game at halftime, uh, on that Friday night afterwards and, and I told them, and I, I tell everybody that I talk to or speak to or the group, you know, I said, you know, even though my name will be enshrined in the Hall of Fame, you know, through the ages, I said, 
it has my name on it, but this is for y'all because y'all the one that stood behind me. And, you know, my supporters, my friends, and, you know, kind of keeping that push going, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. And uh, I said, it's for you. It's, it's technically mine, but it's not mine. It's yours. You're the first Southern Miss guy to get in. You beat Brett right. Barb. Right. Well, Brett's going to go in in, what, two years or three years? How long has he been out? Two years? Well, you never know when he's going to unretire. Well, that's true. I, that's why I had to stop and think a minute. I don't ever know what he's going to do. But uh, he got three more years, I know. And uh, you know and I know. I mean, that's pretty much going to be a shoe-in. Uh, so he and I'll be, you know, in there together. And, uh, but yeah, I, I'm really, I'm really proud to be the first one, uh, from Southern Miss to go because, you know, I believe black and gold and black and silver. So, um, it, uh, I'm on to, I'm going to help Southern. And it's going to be a great boost to Southern too from the standpoint of, uh, recognition now as far as the, you know, the achievements from the athletic field and all that. It, of course, everybody knows Brett and all that. Uh, and I, I let it go. I mean, you know, I said, well, hell, you just don't know. I was here before Brett, and I taught him everything he knew for three years. <laughs> yeah, which I did. I mean, I volunteered coach out here for three years, his last three years. And I knew then what what he, what everybody knows now. You know, the, how great he was going to be and how of a competitor he was and is, you know, but I'd never let, let him know that. <laughs> you know, he always wanted to wear my Super Bowl ring. I said, well, Brett, why, what you want him for? He said, well, me and a couple of the guys, we're going down to such and such a place. I said, well, not my ring, you're not going. <laughs> and, and you're not taking my four by four either. <laughs> <laughs> So, you know, he was a great kid, still is, you know, and uh, I don't see him very often around here. I mean, you know, I, yeah, I, I'm, he's kind of like me. He just, you know, he does his thing. And, uh, you know, and I, he stays out on his west side of town, and I'm on my south side of town. And we run into each other once in a while, but I don't bother him. I don't, I don't really want to bother him. I don't, you know, just let him. He's been there. He's done that, and uh, you know it's time for him to sit back and relax and enjoy life now. And uh, that's what I do. I want to do what I I want to do. I mean, some of the things I've hadn't done, I, I want to do it. And that's why I'm just be myself. When are they going to right the wrong and get your former coach Tom Flores? And I'm so tired of hearing about Tony Dungy, the first minority coach to win a Super Bowl, right. should go in the Hall of Fame. So last I checked, Tom Flores is a minority, and he won two. I understand that, and that's one of the the objectives now. Uh, starting, you know, is now we're going to start campaigning for Tom, and we got a, we got a bunch of them technically needs to go. We got Cliff Branch sitting there. I mean, we got uh, Jim Plunkett sitting there. I mean, we got a ton of them there that, you know, as far as records concerned and this and that and the other. Uh, you know, the records are fine, uh, but I was not a what you call a firm believer in, in records. I couldn't really tell you what I had. Uh because it wasn't it wasn't important at the time if we didn't win. And, you know, it's an indication of, you know, personally my my achievement or but it wasn't really my achievement. It was those ten guys up in front of me. They're they're the one who had a bigger deal to do with it than I did. And uh, so, you know, just because I didn't have a high average or a high net or whatever, uh, 
that wasn't any indication I, I was bad. There was a reason behind that. And uh, but that's like you know Tom. Yeah, Tom is great. I mean, he's great. He should be in there. And uh, he was very intelligent. And of course, you know, he was back there with John as an offensive coordinator. And uh, so he's been around a while to block. And uh, when he had the opportunity to step forward, you know, I knew he was going to be a successful coach. Just the way he was with the players. That's that was the key to it. It's a player coach relationship, just like John had. And uh, and uh, it was it, there was no changing. I mean, we didn't have to change anything. We just kept the same flow going. And uh, he was a brilliant offensive coach, and he was a brilliant head coach. And he knew, you know, how to how to handle the players and all that without getting upset and you know and doing this and doing that, screaming and hollering. He just talked about the different problems and what we need to do and how we need to handle things and. Once we come to an agreement or whatever, and then we just we left it alone and went on. So, yeah, we're going to have a big campaign for a lot of those guys. Now, I know, know in college you had a 93-yard punt. Uh, is, is there one favorite punt that you had in your entire career? Uh, that'd be kind of hard to do, wouldn't it? Uh, I don't know which which one uh, would be the best. I mean, they were all the best. I mean, I mean, I've had some long ones. I've had some short ones. Uh, you know, I think the best of it was uh, probably in my last few years that I was playing, you know, with the Raiders. That's when we made that move down to L.A. <laughs> I want to say it was about 85, somewhere in there. That was the year I had about 35 inside the 20. Uh I didn't. I didn't have very much return yardage on me that year. That was the year that I had to make that transition, you know, to focusing more on the corners and, and things of this nature. So, you know, the '93 in at Ole Miss was uh, there again. That's just when everything was working. Uh, you know, when you're backed up in your end zone, you know, your first objective, the goal is to catch the ball and get at least to the 50. Uh, lo and behold, how the hell did I know it was going 100 yards? You know, but that's just, it just happens and those things happen for a reason. Uh, the one that we had in 80, we were playing, uh, Can- not Kansas City, we were playing San Diego down there. That was the year we went as a wild card and won. You know, we beat Philadelphia in the Super Bowl that year. Right. We were down in San Diego for the champ- AFC championship and, uh, it was a close game, and I, I don't know. Uh, when I punted, the ball went 73 yards. I know that, but it almost went out of bounds on a one. And then uh, that really put a, a needle in, uh, in in San Diego's offense, you know, Air Coriel and all that. And so, I mean, there are a lot of punts that has made a difference, and they've changed the field position around to, you know, get negative into the plus side of uh, a momentum and that, you know a couple of those you know so i mean i've had a bunch of them that uh, are great i know a game that stands out for me being from chicago was that game against the bears in 84 when the I think the bears knocked out three of your quarterbacks i want to say rusty lish david hom maybe well, david wilson well, you know plunkett well, you know plunkett hadn't even didn't even dress out that game I didn't realize uh, Mark, that. Well, yeah, he was on uh, IR. 
uh, Mark Wilson was a starting quarterback, and then we had brought in Dave Hum, who we drafted, you know, years before out of Nebraska. Now, of course, they had me. And, uh, but yeah, that was, that was a very brutal game and a bloody game because they were, you know, McMahon got hurt and, uh, see, they were falling on both sides of the ball like flies. I mean, it looked like the mash unit on, uh, mash, you know, taking the army cot and taking them off the field every time they get up. Uh, and I, I mean, we had actually, I mean, Dave Hum got knocked out and Mark was already in the, in the locker room. Because I think he had hurt his thumb or something on the helmet of somebody. So Tom and I had uh, we had already got ready. We were discussing to call the play, and uh, of course Mark came back out. So I was uh, had one foot on and one foot off. You know what I'm saying? Did you want to go in? <laughs> did you want to go in against I, that defense, or you wanted no part of it? Well, it wouldn't make no difference to me. <laughs> <laughs> Made no difference to me. I mean, I'd have, I'd have gave it my best. Heck, I might have gotten knocked out too. Who knows? <laughs> but we had we had other objectives to worry about then. What well, we were, we were going to roll that pocket, man. I'm gonna tell you, and uh, give you know give the quarterback time to you know throw that ball. Did so, you ever? But, uh, did you ever huh? not like punting the ball after Lester Hayes touched it? Because I heard that he destroyed more footballs oh. with that stickum. Uh, look, it wasn't only Lester. It was Blitnikoff. Uh, <laughs> so you can look at Mark Van. Mark Van Egan was the worst to me. I mean, when he was running that ball, he'd get up after making a run or something. The ball still be stuck to his chest. That's the most damn stick him on it. I mean, he had that pine tar man. You know what I'm talking about? Exactly. Yeah. And uh, and I don't know why. I mean, it seemed like. Ever so often, you know, they, they they took like lighter fluid and washed the balls down after every play because they had so much pine tar on it. <laughs> well, it every once in a while they would miss a spot, and for some reason though, one of my fingers would always touch that spot when I got ready to release the ball. Man, I, I, I told Mark, Mark, would you get away from me? Go down to the end where you belong. That's where the running backs are. Let me stay up here by myself, man. I mean, it's like the wind blowing pollen. It'd blow that stuff all over you. You know, I mean, but, but, you know, no, it didn't bother me that much. I mean, hey, that's what they wanted to do, and, you know, let them do it. But Lester did kind of abuse it a little bit. And it looked like he was having some kind of seizure when it was dripping out from under his helmet. You know, so, I mean... And Freddie, and Freddie used a whole whole jar of that uh, that pine tar before every game. So no Did you ever go to your up, up to your coach? Ever go up to the coaches and say, you know, I'm I'm a pretty good athlete. You should let me do uh, run out of punt formation every once in a while, or, well, or pass out of punt it. formation. Well, you know, we always had that that audible to. Uh, if it was there, but it had to be there first, the look of the defense. And we always had that audible. And, I mean, they always say on the sideline when when we went out, they say, you know, just be alert. And what that means is, you know, if they're in that alignment up on the from the return team, if they had a certain look with a certain player somewhere, then the option would be there. And we, we ran a couple. We ran a couple, threw a couple, you know. You don't, don't want to do it too much because it becomes too obvious. And uh, but you, you want to at least run it 
maybe once or twice in the preseason to kind of kind of put the look or doubt in the upcoming season. You know, the teams look at those films and they'll say, "Hey, wait a minute now." You know, they not they don't normally do this, but uh, there's a chance they might. And uh, the only time we did, the only time we audible off, it was uh, it was against Seattle up in the Kingdom one year. I think it was Monday Night Football game. Their uh, end guy, I can't think of his name back there then, but anyway, he was real quick off that corner, and he just come off the corner and just lay himself out, you know, trying to block it, and so. Uh, the ball was about midfield, you know, somewhere around midfield, and and uh, Tom, you know, said, "Look, he says if he's sitting out there and you see that, you know, go ahead and catch the ball and go through your thing, but let him let him lay out." I said, "Okay, man, I was excited, boy, I was ready to go." So and uh, so the ball snapped, and sure enough. He, I could look over there pre-snap, and he had his weight forward on his down hand, so that tells me he's he's coming. And uh, the ball was snapped, and I took my time a little bit and took about a step forward, and sure enough, he laid out, you know, tried to block it, and I pulled it back in. Hey, I made 25 yards on that run, man. <laughs> I'd have still been running if the, the edge of the field hadn't got so close to me. <laughs> <laughs> so who's so, so who's gonna snap who's gonna snap the microphone to you at the Hall of Fame? Uh who's gonna introduce me? Yes. Uh John Madden. Have you started working on your speech? Uh more or less. I've tried, but uh, I've I got so much else to do. Uh I'm trying to, to kinda you know, half to do my my job here at Southern then the other half I'm trying to get certain things, you know, Put together and and then sent up to Canton. We got to pre have it up there, and but I'll get it written. That's that's no big deal. They just told me I couldn't talk as much as I normally used to. So <laughs> I said, "How long is that?" He said, eight minutes." I said, "Well, you better let me go last then." I'll get it done. It's just it's just tough, you know, to sit and write it down because you think of so much. Uh, especially the people that's been such a big influence in your life and your career and all that. And of course, majority of those that have been very much influenced on me are not here no more. And so that's going to be a little tough, you know, when it comes to that time up there. But, you know, I'll endure it and I'll get through with it and uh, knowing very well that, you know, all four of them are, are not with us, but they're they're looking, believe me. And of course, my my mom and dad's gone, and of course Al, you know, he's you know passed away a couple of years ago, right. and my head coach here uh, passed away about a year and a half ago. Well, it's actually been one, yeah one year since February. So and, and they played a big inspiration and influence on me, and it's just going to be tough. But I like I said, I'll get by with it. That does it for another edition of Sports and Torts on TalkZone.com. I'd like to thank our guest, Pro Football Hall of Famer 2014 inductee, Ray Guy, and another Hall of Famer, our executive producer, Dave Olson. Hope you enjoyed the show with David Spada and me. Tune in again next time for Sports and Torts on TalkZone.com.